Welcome to Behind the Curtain. Please refrain from singing in the rain, stepping in time, and learning your lines out loud during this podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And welcome to Behind the Curtain. It is great to have your company. George here and Jack on the other end of the Zoom. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, George. And how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm going really well, thank you. I'm actually struggling with that intro just there because I've just got onto a brand new radio station and uh, I'm <laughs> promoted and labelled as Sarge. My last name's Sergeant. We shorten it down it to is Sarge. Too. So yes. I just struggled then for a second. I nearly said Sarge, and then the listeners would be like, who on earth is Sarge? So huh? still George here, but Sarge on the radio. I'm going well. Would you like to introduce our very special guest today, Jack? Absolutely. Now, George, before we begin, I'd like to personally thank our sponsor, the Orange Theatre Company, for their support of our amazing podcast. And make sure you check out the website at orangetheatrecompany.com.au to check out their latest productions and other events. Today, we have a very, very special guest currently starring Come From Away Australia at Sydney's Capital Theatre. It's the wonderful Zoe Gertz. Hey, Zoe, how are you? I'm so well and so happy to be here. Thank you for asking me to have a chat with you guys. Awesome. Not a worry in the world. Now, let's go right back to where it all started. What was that moment, do you think, that started your career? Uh, Look, I was definitely one of those kids that was always fascinated by musical theatre. My mum tells a story that when I was like four years old, she took me to see the production of 42nd Street that was what was um, then the Footbridge Theatre in Sydney. And we were sitting in the front row because she thought, oh, this will be a great thing for a four-year-old to be able to look in the orchestra pierce and look up at the (laughs) stage. And it got to interval. And she said, all right, Zoe, this is when we go and get an ice cream. And I burst into tears and she's like, Zoe, what's wrong? And, and I apparently was like, if we go, then we're going to lose these seats. <laughs> and I was devastated. And she had to say, no, it's all right. We've paid for act two as well. Like we get to come back here. And I just started um, dance lessons at that point, tap lessons. So 42nd Street was fascinating to me. And I think in that moment, my mum kind of went, oh, this little girl is a bit more interested than I assumed she was going to be in this um so from then on she was always very supportive in anything I wanted to um audition for like the local um theater companies and things growing up so uh like a lot of people I started there like with dance lessons and doing local um like community productions of things Now, Zoe, I've been reading your bio and you've had a very strong background in tuition in dancing, you know, lots of different styles there. Is there one particular type of dancing that really sticks out to you? I know for myself, I just loved tap dancing. It was so much fun. same, same. There it is. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it for you, Zoe? Is there one that sticks out? For me, it has always been tap dance through and through. And the funny thing is, I have yet to be cast in a show where I get to <laughs> tap dance. And we'll sign is- a petition. We'll sign a petition. We'll make it happen. Yeah. And <laughs> the thing that, like, all during high school, like, for HSC dance, um, for my performance 
um, major that I had to do at the end, I did a tap dance and had to, you know, afterwards talk for like five minutes about the history of tap, <laughs> like um, back to its origins in, you know, Irish dancing and, um, and you know, the, the black slave um, dancing and, and how it all, you know, incorporated there. And I just love it. And, you know, the shows that as a kid that inspired me were things like 42nd Street and Hot Shoe Shuffle. Oh, my God, I was obsessed mm. with that when that came out. So tap dance. Somebody cast me and something <laughs> like that, please. Absolutely. Now, Zoe, you've studied all over the world, such as San Francisco as well as WAPA. How important was it for you to gain these experiences first before continuing your musical theatre career, do you think? Um, I think training is so important because I think I think anyone can audition well and be cast in something. I think what training gives people is then the technique and ability to go, okay, well, this thing that I have to do eight shows a week, how am I going to be able to maintain that at a high standard and do it safely as well. So I think um, especially in an industry like music theatre where sometimes a musical you'll be doing it for a month, sometimes you'll be doing it for four years, um, that sort of training and that ability to stay show fit and do things in a healthy way um, is so important. Yeah, I mean, as you say, that whole training aspect there is really important for being show fit and I don't expect you to divulge any of that information on our little old podcast because we haven't paid to go and get <laughs> choose it at WAPA. But, you know, I've spoken I mean, to... If, if you have any specific questions, go for <laughs> well, it. Well, I, I do. Think, I don't think they're like... I don't think they're trade secrets. <laughs> well, I mean, look, being in amateur theatre, I've spoken to so many people, and even for myself, you know, you might do a run of 12 to 15 shows and you've just put absolutely everything into it. But by the end of the two weeks, you're an absolute wreck. I mean, this is just for me. I feel absolutely exhausted. I've, um, you know, almost blown my voice out. It's just gone. So, so how do you guys do it for years upon years? Well, I think the most important thing is um, everything that happens in the rehearsal room, um, especially when you know you're going to be doing something for a long time. For example, in Les Mis, um, when we were rehearsing that, there is so much screaming for the ensemble in Les Mis. When you think about the barricade, when you think about, mm. you know, all of those scenes when, when you're a beggar or a prostitute and you spend half your life on stage screaming, one of the important things from day one was us to... And what is always the job of an actor um, is to do your homework. You get into the rehearsal room, you rehearse these scenes and figure out how your character organically is emoting and experiencing them. But then you have to go home and go, okay, now how can I replicate that mm. in a safe way, in a technique-based way? So things like, um, you know, a cry or a scream going home and then going, how do I replicate that? And experimenting going, right. Do I have to place that forward? You know, do I have to, um, if I want a more guttural sound, you know, how can I place that in a way that I'm not going to blow my voice box after yeah. the first week. And it's yeah, all about that initial. And then 
almost like choreography, almost like a dance, then in rehearsal, practicing that technique over and over so that by the time you're doing it in front of an audience, you're not even thinking about it. It's as, you know, it's it's like another choreographed element to mm. your performance. Absolutely. Now, Zoe, it's clear you're very passionate about musical theatre, but why musical theatre? Like, I love asking our guests this question, but we could be all sorts of things. We could be teachers, we could be like George and being on the radio as well, but why musical theatre? I just love, I mean, on stage and as an audience member, I love that element of anything could happen. I love that element of you know, no two performances are exactly the same, that as human beings, we're naturally going to bring different things to every single show. And I I love that spontaneity. And I love the discipline that's required in live theatre as well. You know, um, you guys were talking about like in um, amateur shows and stuff that you've done where you do something and you put your all into it for 12 performances or whatever. And I think... Film and TV can feel very much like that, where you can, you know, give it your all and and leave it all there. But there is a discipline in theatre in having to do that, in getting out on stage eight shows a week and going, well, you know, I'm not just going to get, you know, I, to do this in a few takes and then they show this one perfect version every time I have to remember that every single person out there has paid good money and is deserving of the same experience and I love that personal challenge I love that it's not easy um, because I'm definitely someone who uh, thrives on staying busy and um, yeah so live theatre is it's exciting to me yeah exciting and also a, a very tough gig as well as you've mentioned there to really stay on top of things I, I needed you to say that to all my friends when I was in high school them thinking that musical theatre wasn't uh, a hard thing to do because it is you got to stay on top of it I mean you've been in theatre for about two decades now roughly has a lot changed in those in those years yes absolutely so much has changed and I think for the better I mean I was thinking about this the other day come from away as a prime example of how musical theatre is changing, not just in the type of storytelling we're doing now. Um, So much more is being asked for us as actors um, and a lot of emphasis being put on that. But also being on stage and looking around and there being so much diversity, not just in ethnicity now, but age diversity, um, body diversity, becoming an industry that feels so much more um, open and I wish that when I had first started out and felt that I had to fit into a particular box to be successful um, that I had seen shows like Come From Away where people are all different shapes and sizes um, it, you know that would have been really really special to see early on absolutely and, and- even in the world now, especially with social media, we're seeing a lot of inclusiveness of everyone in the world now. It's fantastic. But now, so in 2008, you were an original Australian cast member of Wicked, a show that you would perform for the next four years or so from 2008. Now, you are the only woman in the world to have understudied and performed both the roles of Madame Maribel and Elphaba and achieved this feat in both Australia and Singapore. How amazing was that experience? 
Look, it was really bizarre because when I first joined the company, it was to be in the ensemble and um, a Madame Morrible cover. Um, the Elphaber cover came later on into the contract when they needed another understudy because um, someone was leaving because they fell pregnant, who was an Elphaber understudy. And I had never understudied a role like Elphaber before. I had understudied in other shows, but something that required that sort of vocal and, um, you know, athletic stamina um, was, it, you know, it was a great experience for me because sometimes if you're pushed outside of your boundaries and you go, oh, my goodness, I am capable of more than I realised. Um, so it was a great learning experience and so much fun because there would be days where I'd be on for Morrible for the, you know, matinee and then doing Elphaber in the wow. evening. And I was like, this is schizophrenic, but <laughs> what, what incredible, you know, on the job kind of training to have to switch between such diverse characters. Mm. Um, so I was very, very lucky at such a young age that I got to, got to do that. I mean, we run down the list of just some of the shows you've been a part of, Kiss Me Kate, Fiddler on the Roof, Priscilla, Wicked, Now Come From Away. Is there one production in particular that really sticks out to you that is really close to home, close to your heart, that you, you look back and you go, wow, you know, that was a very special production to be a part of? Oh, look, um, oh, that's like asking me to choose a favourite child. That's like, <laughs> you know, just, look, because... It, it is work, it is a job, and there's in all of those shows that you've listed, there were elements that were really hard and, and, you know, it's not always a great time, but all of them also had really special moments. I mean, you know, Wicked being part of the first Australian company, that first, I never forget it, the first preview of Wicked in Melbourne and those first chords, Dun, 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 dun. and just hearing the audience go and completely <laughs> lose it it was you know like like we were rock stars it was absolutely insane and then moments like lame is and doing one day more and they're marching you know as the curtain was coming down and going i'm in lame is <laughs> singing one day more what is my life yeah like the, you know, they're all so special. Priscilla, being part of that, you know, the original company of that, they're, they're all really, and then, you know, I have to say Dirty Rocks and Scoundrels in Sydney because that's where I met my husband. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Phil! <laughs> awesome. Now... Yeah, they've, they've all been very special for different reasons, for sure. Absolutely. Now, Zoe, you were casted as a loud mouth and at hoops, as well as understudying and performing the role of Vivian in Legally Blonde, the musical. Now, I've actually been casted in the amateur version of Legally Blonde here in Orange. Now, I played the role of Aaron Schultz and the UPS guy. How fun was that show? It was ridiculous, should be illegal kind of fun. We had <laughs> so much fun on that show and... I mean, my track especially, Enid Hoops, because I didn't get to do like a lot of the stuff with the girls. I was with the guys all the time backstage, but oh my goodness, I just love that show. And that group of people that I got to play with every day, you know, Rob Mills, Cameron mm -hmm. Daddo, Helen Dallymore, Lucy Durack, just Erica Hain, it's the, just 
best, kindest, loveliest group of people. Um, yeah, and the response on that show, much like when we were doing Wicked, just the young women that would come to stage door every show and be so inspired and motivated. It was a really special thing to be a part of. Now, outside of theatre, what do you like to get up to? Do you have some favourite hobbies to kind of keep yourself grounded and do some mindful activities that are sort of good for the soul? Yeah, it's interesting actually because I'm really having to practice a lot of mindfulness right now being in lockdown. This is uh, since I've been doing Come From Away, our fourth time that we've been forced wow. to stay at home. Um, so I've kind of, you know, although it's hard each time, in some ways it's easier each time because I have found a routine of the things that keep me happy and motivated during this time. Um, running has been, and just physical activity, walking, you know, walking 10Ks, just getting those endorphins going has been really important because I know that I'm someone that I, you know, more for my mental health than anything because if I focus too much on what's going on and watch the news for too long in the morning and, you know, I'd, I'd just be sitting on the couch crying, going, let me go back to work. So... Um, yeah, physical activity is absolutely at the moment my saving grace. Well, now that you've mentioned running, um, oh, look, I, I may as well leave. Jack's one of the biggest runners I know. <laughs> oh, I feel a little on. bit intimidated. I'm, I'm, I, I don't do any of that stuff, but that's all right. I could, I'll learn from the greats. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say as well, though, like a lot of it's because I know especially you know, when we get back to doing Come From Away because it is so athletic and physically demanding in terms of not stopping for that 100 minutes. Like in between Brisbane and Sydney, we had three weeks off as well. And I was like, woo, we're on holiday and just sat around drinking drinking wine. (laughs) And the first day of tech in Sydney, we came back and I was I'd lost all my show fitness. Thank goodness it was just tech. There was no audience because I got through halfway through me in the sky. And I was like, oh, for God's sake. Like, this is hard. So it's more about just not being put in a position where I'm, you know, in front of 1,000 people. Um and, and, you know, losing my breath and, and not able to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Zoe, let's talk about Come From Away, where you were casted as Beverly and others. Would you mind telling the listeners about your role as well as the story behind this wonderful production? Yeah, so I play Beverly and others. Beverly is uh, Beverly Bass, who was the first female captain for American Airlines. Um, and happened to be one of the pilots who was diverted to Gander on 9-11. And then the others are um, Annette, a librarian who works in Gander, who's based on actually a few different women from Gander. Um, And then we all play various um, plain people that come from a ways, if you will, um, that arrive there. And, and yeah, come from a ways, the story of on 9-11 when... 38 planes were diverted to Gander when the American airspace was closed and this town of 9,000 people suddenly had 7,000 strangers turn up on their doorstep and for five days they looked after them. They fed them, they gave them places to sleep and to shower 
and people fell in love and um you know it's a beautiful story about the very best of humanity yeah no it must be such a special production to be a part of with all of those themes that are happening throughout do you, do you meet people after the shows that kind of tell you how it's touched them watching you on stage Absolutely. And the thing that continues to surprise me in every city that we go to are how many people have stories either connected to Gander and Newfoundland or how many Australians have stories about being personally affected by 9-11 and they, you know, they come to stage door and they're compelled to hug you and thank you and tell you everything. And, and it's, um, I've never been a part of something that, yeah, people have been so personally affected mm. by before. So that's really special. Mm. Absolutely. Now, I actually watched a wonderful video of you and some of the cast members from Come From Away of Me in the Sky, a wonderful song that audiences such as myself and George really get to connect with the emotion you portray during that song. Now, is, is there a particular moment of the production that stands out for you, do you think, Zoe? You know, it's funny asking me this now because if you had asked me this when we first opened in 2019, I probably would have had very different answers. <laughs> but, I mean, what is beautiful about our show is no matter what is going on in the world, um, audiences still find things to react to. And one of the moments that I love even more now after the last year that I just think, highlights how beautifully our show discusses really serious topics through comedy is actually the character of Bob, um, who's one of the come from aways. And he has this big monologue where he discusses um, one of the mayors asking him to steal people's barbecues from their backyard. And he is black and he, you know, kind of responds like, I'm going to be shocked. No, if I go into people's backyards and steal their barbecues, I will be shot. And after the last year and, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and how mm. that's been highlight, highlighted to all of that, it's a really beautiful moment in that you have the audience laughing at, you know, the craziness of this situation. But then, you know, the seriousness of, you know, where that comes from. It's just such a beautiful way of educating an audience um, in, you know, these really serious things, um, but, you know, in such a, I don't know, accessible, beautiful, comedic way. So, yeah, that's become, and I, you know, I get to sit there and watch amazing Colby Kindle do that every night and, and he just has the audience in the palm of his hand because you feel everyone going, oh, my goodness, are we allowed to laugh at that? And and he makes it all right for everyone. It's mm. incredible. It's an incredible piece of theatre. And <clears throat> pardon me, I hear you're also incredible at uh, theatre quizzes. A uh, little birdie told me <laughs> that you're very good at all that. Uh, we have a little cool. segment on uh, Behind the Curtain. <laughs> Uh, where we uh, test your uh, knowledge on, on theatre. Are you happy to partake in this little quiz? Oh, this has made me very nervous, but <laughs> sure. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, what's going to happen? I'm going to ask you about three questions or so, and George is going to do the same. So these first ones, they're going to be a bit of a multiple choice question. So 
Question one. What is the name of Annie's dog in the musical Annie? You have got Gypsy, Sandy, Buddy or Rusty? Well, Annie was actually the first um, amateur musical that I did when I was 11 years old. So I'm pretty confident that's Sandy. (laughs) Absolutely. Well done. One from one. Who did you play in Annie? I played Annie. Hey, well done. Oh, there we go. Well, you'd know your own dog then, wouldn't you? (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, I have never cried so much on a closing night as I did. On the closing night of that show, having to say goodbye to the Mm. dog playing Sandy. Her name was Bella. She's oh. probably no longer with us, so may she rest in peace. That was a very long time ago. No. But she oh, was wow. gorgeous and I've never been more upset saying goodbye to people or, oh. or dogs or anything on a closing night before. Jack, move oh. on. I'm going to cry. Keep on going. Keep on going. Yeah. <laughs> Question two. Another musical that is currently on in Sydney at the moment. Which character in Hamilton sings The Room Where It Happens? We've got Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Aaron Burr or Alexander Hamilton. I think it's I think it's Burr. It is Aaron Burr. Two from two. Go Zoe. Alrighty. Now The Phantom of the Opera begins with a wedding, a funeral, an opera, or an auction. It's an auction. Oh. (laughs) Three from three. Oh. I should just give up now. George, don't have to deal with it. (laughs) All right. Last two questions, Zoe. Which composer and lyricist penned the music for Into the Woods? Is it A... Richard Rogers, B, Stephen Sondheim, C, Andrew Lloyd Webber, or D, Stephen Schwartz? It's another Ooh. one I've done into the woods. <laughs> oh, look at this <laughs> so guy. So I'm going to say Stephen Sondheim. That is correct. Uh, now, <laughs> let me guess. Oh, gosh. Oh, 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 did you play Little Red Riding Hood? No, no. It was um. Uh, so during Wicked, we did a one-night-only concert of Into the Woods to raise money uh, to basically originate the funds for the Rob Guest Endowment, and I played the witch. Oh, no way. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Great, great musical. Yeah, really awesome music. Yeah, it was lots of fun. Absolutely. All right, to get five out of five, last question. When an actor moves upstage, are they moving closer or further away from the audience? Uh, if they're going upstage, they're moving away from the audience. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Man. Look at that. <laughs> there it oh. is. It's almost like you're a, uh, a musical theatre professional, like you do it as a job or something. <laughs> what? Like... Huh? <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> five out of five, Zoe. Yeah. Well done. Absolutely. Now, Zoe, musical theatre, things happen all the time on stage and off stage. Now, let's talk about this thing called theatre fails. Has anything gone wrong for you? Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to tell this story because if our current resident director um, of Come From Away ever listens to this podcast, Liam McElwain, he'll be disappointed if I don't tell it. Uh, <laughs> Liam was, um, I should say, was also our dance captain on Les Mids. And my theatre fail story would be, um, so I understudied the role of Fontaine in Les Mids. 
And there was a particular night that I went on for Fontaine and I hadn't been on for Fontaine for, it was probably a good six or seven weeks or so because Patrice Tapoki, who played the role, had been, you know, healthy and having a really great run. And I was first cover and they were uh, rehearsing the second and third covers. So I hadn't even had a rehearsal for a while and went on and was kind of like, oh, hope I get this right. Well, we get to the bowels at the end. And I'm feeling a little bit chuffed, a little bit full of myself that I've gotten through this and aced it. And so come out for my bow. And I proceed to walk down the centre of the stage in front of 2,000 people and all of the ensemble behind me who've already bowed and do, oh, I should have prefaced by saying as well at the end that Fontaine's wearing, it's like a nighty, but it's got a really long train because she's come back as like the angel version of herself with um, Jean Valjean. So enormous train coming down the centre and because I'm feeling all excited and full of myself, do this like little hoppy skip thing where I'm like, my feet get tangled in the train, don't they? And I face plant, boom, in the middle of the stage in front of 2,000 people, like my hands go, boom. 2,000 people all at the same time going, all I could do in that moment was quickly get up, present one hand in the air and one on my hip like some kind of goddamn showgirl, like who did I think I was, and then go over to the side where I had to stand for other people to come down and bow by doing like this weird little like bossy showgirl tentpole <laughs> sort of thing. It was like... It was like my fight or flight response. To suddenly think I was in the producers, you know, yeah. to like become this like Ula or something. Like, it was, but I have to say, when I did that, after the of 2,000 people, you've never heard a loud of applause for Fontaine I love the way you sort of came back. You you, you completely Absolutely. changed characters, right? It's, it's a whole new whole new take on that role. Oh yeah, very different energy for what <laughs> they've been seeing Fontaine do for the last you know couple of hours. But you know, everyone would have left the theatre going well. She's versatile. She's got more strings to her bow, doesn't she? A very con- <laughs> very contrasting performance. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Zoe, it has been a uh, absolute delight hanging out with you. Thank you so much for jumping onto the pod. It's um, yeah, truly, uh, we're truly grateful and really appreciate Absolutely. your time. Is there somewhere that uh, people can kind of follow your theatre journey and, and get to actually see you and come from away? Yeah, well, um, where well, <laughs> you can buy a ticket for <laughs> come from away at the Capitol Theatre right now. And actually, I would encourage people, even though we are currently experiencing a lockdown if you do want to support theatre the best thing that you can do right now is to buy a ticket to ensure that these shows continue and um and give that support so buy a ticket um we've also announced our canberra season that's going to be um in canberra um at the end of the year for pretty much the whole month of november um and then yeah i'm on instagram the zoe gert is my tag but I'm not on Twitter or or Facebook or anything like that but yeah come and 
say hello and if you come and see the show I always love meeting people at the stage door so feel free to stop by and say good day absolutely we'll definitely come along but Listeners, make sure you catch Zoe in Come From Away Australia, currently showing at Sydney's Capital Theatre. And thanks again for coming on, um, Zoe, and we'll catch up soon. Thank you for having me, guys. It was a real treat. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain. Be sure to give the boys a rating and review and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at behindthecurtain.podcast. Talk soon.